All right, let me uh, move over to some, some sermon stuff. Um, we're finishing up this four or five week series that I called Mo Money, Mo Problems. Um, talking about the, the volatile nature of, uh, of money. Money can be used for a lot of good things. I mean, you know, $18,000 was just used to send a lot of kids uh, to learn about their value. Um, but money can also rip families apart. It can rip marriages apart. And so we've talked through uh, some of the Bible's advice about money. We've also talked about um, two of the three different kinds of wealth the Bible talks about. The Bible talks about money wealth. And then last week we talked about the Bible's, uh, the Bible coins the phrase um, good works wealth, like to be rich in good deeds. And hopefully you've decided that you don't want to be good deeds poor or even like middle class, like, yeah, you know, middle of the road, good deeds. We want to be wealthy. We want to have extraordinary good deeds wealth with our life, right? We want to be generous and, and kind um, to others and make a difference. This morning we're going to talk about the, the third kind of wealth the Bible mentions, and that is to be, um, to be rich toward God. The Bible talks about a kind of wealth of, of, of richness toward God and... and um, and so I, I guess I could start by saying, um, if you think about, we talked about this last week, the, the timeline of our existence, which according to Jesus is eternal, this eternal timeline, which would in theory never end, but let's just say it was the length of this stage, and, and think about the, the relatively small section that would represent this uh, time we spend here in our current body, in our current state. And then there's the day when we die and move into whatever's next. And I want you to think about for a moment, this is an easy question, um, on that moment when you move toward what's next and you realize, okay, this life is over, now there's something more, would you rather have been wealthy in money for that little section or would that be the moment that you would think man I really would rather be rich toward God right now I mean obviously when we think about our eternity on the day that we're dead we would much rather have been rich toward God and according to Scripture, we're going to spend a lot of our existence, way more of our existence, life after this life than life during this life. And so we should be investing in what's going to pay off in this next life. Because what we learn in Scripture is it also pays off in this life because it's just a better kind of life. So... With that in mind, I want to look at Luke chapter 12. It's where Jesus begins to address some of this stuff. It's where he also coins the phrase, rich toward God. So, um, Luke 12, 13. Someone in the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. But Jesus replied, Man, who appointed me judge? or executor between you. Now, this is classic Jesus. This is a total side note, by the way. This has nothing to do with being rich to God. I just like it. Um, 
ancient argument breaks out, and what's obviously happened here is there's an older brother who's in charge of the inheritance, and he's not being fair with how he's divvying it out. We have every reason to believe that this guy that approaches Jesus with this problem, uh, that he's in the right, that there's a real problem between who gets what, and it's clear enough, because it was pretty well established back then, that he feels like he can go to Jesus, the, the God's representative here on earth, and have him uh, judge according to who should get what. Like, this is clear in his mind. And so he brings Jesus in. And Jesus does two things. First of all, he distances himself from the question by saying, who appointed me judge? Do you know how ridiculous that is? How about God who made you the judge of the universe? Who appointed me judge? Like, if there's one thing you don't expect Jesus to say when you bring him into something, it's who made me judge? And then he's going to flip it. We're going to see this. He's going to flip it against the guy who wants the justice. So it's like this. And this is why this is so important. Because right now we live in an environment um, with so much d d division. So many people are so convinced they're right. And it's all over the spectrum. I have, I have um, conservative friends who say, and there's some of you, and no, no offense, I'm not like, you know, whatever. But who say... How could a Christian vote for a Democrat because of the whole pro-choice thing? Like, how could a Christian vote Democrat? Then I have uh, more progressive Christian friends who say, how could any Christian ever vote for Trump? And, and there's this thinking, like, if God would, if Jesus could just come back and tell those guys who they, how they should, you know, get them over on that side of the aisle... But what you look here is, is Jesus, this had to be maddening. This is what he does, though. He will rare, like if, if you want to establish who's right and who's wrong, especially if it's like for your own sense of, oh, yeah. That wouldn't make sense on a transcript. Um, the last person you want to bring in is Jesus. Because you're probably going to leave feeling convicted. That's just what he does. He has a way of bringing us back to our own lane and thinking about ourselves and our own problems. So, anyway, on to the next thing. So this guy calls out in a crowd, Hey, tell my brother to give me some inheritance. It's only right. Jesus says... Watch out, guard yourselves against every form of greed. So this guy who thought that he was in the right and going to establish sudden, it's like, wah, wah. <laughs> For a man's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. Then he gives under this parable, which is a made-up story with a spiritual point, okay? Then he told them a parable. The ground of a certain rich man produced an abundance. So he thought to himself, what shall I do since I have nowhere to store my crops? I just got too much stuff. My fridge won't hold all the leftovers. I need a bigger fridge. What shall I do since I have nowhere to store my crops? This is what I'll do. I will tear down my barns and I will build bigger ones and there I will store up all my grain and my goods. And then I'll say to myself, Self, you have plenty of good things laid up for many years. Take it easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, You fool. You fool, this very night your life will be demanded of you. Then who will own what you have accumulated? 
This is how it will be for anyone who stores up treasure for himself, but is not rich toward God. It doesn't seem to me that there's a problem with um, having nice things. It seems to me the problem was this man had nice things, but was also not rich toward God. Like his life consisted only of gathering things. And he had never made the switch to say, I am going to live for God. And then there's this moment of reckoning. <clears throat> this moment of reckoning. It's almost like Jesus brings the judge thing back around to say, here's, here's where the judging really comes in. Have you lived your life for God? Or has it been completely internal? Now, um, I'm going I'm to tell you about this change only because it may be relevant to you spiritually. Um, my routine is on Wednesdays. I take Wednesdays and I write my sermons all day until I have a completed transcript. And I try to stay about two weeks ahead of time. And then uh, during the week of, I try to read through that week's transcripts a couple times. And then I go to Panera on Sunday morning at 7 o'clock and I sit in the same booth and I... I review my material for the day until the guy comes in and sits in the same booth at 8 o'clock and chews too loudly. <clears throat> and then I get mad and I leave. <laughs> Clockwork. And if he ever comes to Polaris and hears me say that, good. <laughs> so, anyway... Today I'm sitting there minding my own business going over my transcript and I got stuck in this part and felt like God, uh, and this doesn't, you know, God doesn't tell me what shoes to wear and stuff like that. It just every now and then I'll get this strong leading that I can't let go of and I felt like God saying, okay, you're done there and you're going to talk about this with the rest of the time. Now why God can't do that two weeks ago when I'm in, you know, transcript and, but and the only reason I'm even telling you I made this change is number one because I don't have slides for you. Um, and, and number two, because m maybe it's you. And so I want you to just kind of be aware, even if you don't know how to be spiritually aware, just kind of listen. Listen down deep in your inner being for maybe a, a tap on the shoulder from God saying, hey, I want you to, want you to pay attention here, okay? So what I want to talk about is, is there, there's this moment when this rich guy had to realize, oh, man. Like, can you imagine the, the fear, the regret, the whatever? And, and even let's just take the eternal judgment, anything like that, and just say, oh, I've been living for the wrong. Like, you have that moment of, oh, man, why did I waste my life on this? Like that moment of reckoning, that moment of clarity when you realize, not that, bad, that, that it was wrong having nice things, but that I, I only thought about that. And I, I didn't get my heart right with God. So there's this story, and I'm going to just turn to you, and I'm going I'm to turn with you. I'm, I'm going to turn here, and I'm going to read it to you. It's in Luke 18, and it's, in, it's actually in three of the four Gospels. I'm going to read you the version from Luke 18. It's very similar to the parable I just read, but this is told to us like it was a real person, Okay? And the ruler asked him, so the ruler, uh, that's, that's kind of Bible speak for, this was a guy who almost certainly was a leader in the Jewish religious world, okay? 
So he was a religious leader. He was a churchy guy, let's say, that did a lot of churchy things. And there's other imagery in Scripture where he, the man like runs up and almost slides on his knees before Jesus. So he recognizes Jesus as a very important uh, man from God. And he runs up to him and he gets down on his knees in a position of like, uh, of, you know, he's looking to Jesus as authority. And he says, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. This is Jesus talking. Do not commit adultery. Do not murder. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Honor your father and mother. And he said to him, the man said, all these I have kept from my youth. So the man says, I've done all the churchy things. So he's looking for eternal life. He's like, how can I know? Which this is interesting here because he says, I've done all the churchy things. But he still doesn't have that moment of knowing. But I, and I know I'm right with God. How can I know I'm right with God? When Jesus heard this, he said to him, One thing you still lack. Sell all that you have and distribute to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. And come, follow me. But when he heard this, these things, he became very sad, for he was extremely rich. Other passages say, and he went away sad. Like he gets this invitation, leave it all and follow me. Now Jesus didn't do this with everybody. He knew this guy was asking, how can I know that I'm good? And he knew that this guy ultimately in his heart, he was ready to follow all the churchy things to feel like he was in good connection with God. But when it came down to it, God played second chair to his wealth. And so Jesus was calling him away and exposing his heart that when it came down to it, the man would choose wealth and stuff over following Jesus. But what this story shows us, because Jesus doesn't demand all that from everybody. He doesn't demand that everybody sell their... But, but what it shows us is that there is a way. God wants there to be a God wants you to have the peace of knowing that you're right with him. And it doesn't come from following rules, and it doesn't come from doing churchy things. Jesus was telling this very wealthy man, doing the right churchy things is not the path to connection with Jesus. So not only is pursuing wealth over God not a pathway to being right with God, I think that would be obvious, but also trying to earn it, trying to gain it, trying to check it off. And so much of religion these days is about going to church a certain amount of times or giving a certain amount of money or doing the right kinds of things. And, and there's a kind of a, this, this felt scale. Like if I can just do more right, then I get wrong. Then I'll be okay with God. But that's not what the followers of Jesus believed or what they taught, and it's not what Jesus taught. So what I want to do, and this is what I feel like God really wants me to do today, is I want to, I want to talk you through just one passage of Scripture because I want you to evaluate. And some of you have been walking with Jesus for many, many years, and you know you're good with God, and that's great. But maybe some of you are like, I, I, don't, I don't know where I stand with God. Am I the rich fool? Am I the rich young synagogue leader who is looking for eternal life, am I okay with Jesus? So I'm going to read to you this, this one passage from the book of Acts, 
Acts chapter 2, this was where people began to, this was the point in time. Jesus had been crucified and resurrected and he ascended. And so his followers began to teach on his behalf here. And this is where people began to feel that conviction, like maybe they were missing out. Maybe their hearts weren't right with God. Maybe God really did offer salvation through the cross and the idea there is that Jesus paid our death penalty for us so that we're not trying to earn our way with God. We're not trying to be good enough. Jesus paid the price for our sins on the cross. We just need to receive that. And people began to believe that. Okay, and so there's this moment when they begin to believe that and they looked at the disciples. And we're gonna, I'm going to read to you, and this is 37. Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart And said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? In other words, how can I know that I'm okay if tonight's my night? How can I walk away from those things and follow Jesus? What do I do? And Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins. Now when you picture forgiveness of sins, you just picture that... I don't have to be afraid anymore. I don't have to try to earn it. So you don't have to have that fear that the rich fool would have had when he realized it was his moment. You don't have to have the fear that the, that the rich young religious leader had when he slid up to Jesus on his knees and said, how can I know I'm okay? I did this and this and this and this and this. How can I know? Peter says, repent and be baptized, every one of you. And you will receive the forgiveness of sins. And it's not a forgiveness that you weave in and out of. It's just forgiveness. Now repentance is that moment of of, of turn. It's that moment when you... Here's the best way I know how to describe it. You ever have a moment where you, you hit a buffet? And you're like, oh my gosh, I'm never doing this again. I have got to lose weight. Okay, that's like every uh, weekend for me. (laughs) Diet starts Monday. That's a moment of repentance, though, when you're like, you know what, I'm done. So so when you think about repentance, what Peter's saying here is there's a moment, and let's go back to the the rich fool, if he could have said, if he could have had that moment in life, and he's like, you know what, my barns are big enough. I'm done with this. I'm going to seek God in what he wants me to do with my blessings. It's that moment of, you know what, I'm done just trying to get by on my own. I'm done living for myself. I want to follow Jesus' teachings. Repentance isn't getting it right. Repentance isn't perfection. Repentance, even though it's a big, scary word, it's just, it's just a commitment to do things differently. It's like, you know what, I'm going to follow Jesus. I'm going to become a student of the teachings of Jesus, and I'm going to do it. It's that moment. Peter says, repent. And then he calls out baptism. Baptism is this Christian ritual. In the Old Testament, or in the New Testament, I'm sorry, in the early days of the church, adults who were old enough to understand what they were doing would decide to submit to this ritual. And they were laid out under water and brought back up out of water, which is this crazy thing, but the Bible says in Romans 6 that it symbolizes the death and burial of Jesus and the resurrection of Jesus. It's us, our old self, dying in our new self. God gives us this to feel what's happening spiritually, that our old self is gone and our new self is risen, and we are risen washed 
and forgiven. That's where God wants you to live from. Not wondering where you stand with him, not always trying to feel like you have to earn your way good with God, but completely forgiven, ready for eternity now, and then ready to just live the kind of life that God calls you to. That's what it means to invest in God wealth. It's when you say, I'm done with me. I'm now living for God and for others. That's how you become wealthy for God. Now you guys can come on up to do our last song. Um, and this is where I'm just, I'm going to throw this out there. I don't know who I made that change for, but I'm certain that God wanted one of those things said to, to you today. And so if you're at a place where, and, and sometimes this happens like it sort of marinates over time, Sometimes this is an immediate thing. Sometimes you're just ready. If you're at a place right now where you're like, okay, I need to, I need to cross this line. I'm going to hang out over there up front during this last song. And during the song, just come on over, talk with me. I'll pray with you. Uh, maybe you're ready to say, you know what? This is my moment of repentance. I will never be the same. I, I want to change and follow Jesus. Maybe some of you have been sitting on baptism. And I know some of you have been sitting on baptism. And, and maybe now is the time when you're like, okay, I'm ready. Now, we don't have it filled up today. It's up there behind the screen. But we can schedule for next Sunday even um, to get that baptism done. So if that's where you're at today, if you are ready, maybe for the first time to say, I'm done living for me. I'm laying it down to follow Jesus. Then you can come on up and talk with me if you just can't bring yourself to do that. Catch me in the lobby or get with me this week. But I want to really encourage you to, before you leave that day, have the conversation with me so that the moment doesn't slip away from you. Let's pray. Father, uh, thank you for calling us away from a, from a world that is passing away, from, from very temporary uh, pleasures and pursuits, calling us away from that into something that lasts eternal, into a better life. And thank you for offering us forgiveness so that we don't have to try to earn it and we don't have to worry about where we stand with you. We can live knowing for certain that we are good with you now and forevermore. And whomever that you had in mind, I pray that they would feel the full weight of your loving conviction through this song. In Jesus' name, amen.